Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So in the last three weeks, as we have made our way through the whole of the Old Testament in a big picture kind of way, the life-transforming truth we have been uncovering, which is a foundational theme that runs throughout all of Scripture, is that what God wants most is a relationship with us. That's right. What we found over and over again is we walk through the creation stories, And then God's promise to Abraham and his descendants through the Exodus, the setting up of the tabernacle, and beyond is a God who is chasing after his people. Which means this God that we serve and the picture that we're given of him in the Old Testament, he's not some kind of cosmic dictator just sitting up there in heaven waiting for us to sin so he can rain down his wrath upon us. And neither is our God like any of the other ancient gods who really don't care about human beings because to them they're nothing but slaves. And neither is our God distant. And just doesn't care. But instead it is the kind of God that is willing to do almost anything to get his people back. Because what he wants most is a relationship. But the amazing thing about our Bible is that the Old Testament, it just gives us part of the story. The Old Testament, in a sense, is just the beginning to the lengths to which God is willing to go to live in relationship with his people. Because what we find as we move into the New Testament is God doing the unthinkable again, or God pulling out all the stops to get what he wants most. But to see this, I need to give you a quick review of the tabernacle and the temple in the ancient world to see how this this new thing that God is doing connects with what's going on in the ancient world. So, if you remember back to last week, we briefly talked about how in the second part of the book of Exodus, which is one of the most boring parts of the Bible to read, if you need to take a nap, then you go there, right? But it doesn't matter. It's one of the most important parts of the Bible because there it tells us about the creation of the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a tent that was set up In the midst of the Jewish people where God lived among his people. The picture that we're given in the first part of the Old Testament is that no matter where the Israelites went, no matter what they were up against, there at the center of their camp lived the creator of the universe. Now, the only difference between the temple that was eventually built and the tabernacle is that the temple was a building in Jerusalem where God, instead of traveling with his people, set up a permanent place to live. Or it's like when the Israelites were traveling, God had this tent, but when the Israelites settled down, God settled down with them. And the reason why all of this is important to get is because what we find God doing next, as he continues to strive to live in relationship with his people in even deeper ways, is that we find this God, in a sense, moving out of the temple or this building made of brick and mortar where he dwelled among his people for hundreds and hundreds of years, and he moves into flesh and blood to walk among us as one of us. That's right. The next step that God takes to live in relationship with his people is he moves from brick and mortar into flesh 
and blood. The Gospel of John describes it in this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And what's being described here is that in the beginning of all things, there was this being, this force that was God and was with God at the same time called the Word, or in Greek it's called the Logos. And it is through this Logos that God went about creating and ordering all things. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. But the most astonishing thing that we learn about this logos, this word, as we continue to read through the prologue of John, is that this part of God, this being that is God, actually becomes one of us. And the word became flesh to live among us. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Or God, the creator and sustainer of all of this. The word, the Logos, is no longer just living in this temple among his people, but has actually become a real life, flesh and blood, human being to walk among us. And what makes this even more interesting is that the word lived here, in the phrase lived among us, is a translation of the Greek word that means to tabernacle to tabernacle among us, or literally pitch a tent, or to live in a tent. So the picture that we're given here is that in the same way God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle and in the temple all those years, God is now dwelling among us as a human being. God has used flesh and blood as a kind of tent, a tabernacle, so he can walk among us as one of us. Now, I believe the reason why God made this move is because this is a better way for God to get what he wants. And that no longer is God's relationship with his people going to be mediated through rituals and sacrifice and priests as people come to worship at the temple of God. No, now people can know and experience God face to face. Or before God tabernacled among us in flesh and blood, the way that God's people lived in relationship with God was through the temple complex. And you guys can see a picture of it up there. It was absolutely breathtaking. And it was an absolutely revolutionary place in that time and place where people came to meet God. So people would come from all over the world to this huge building in Jerusalem where they believe, believe that God's presence was most fully felt and the way they were able to communicate with this God was not directly, but through priests and ritual. Or, or in a sense, the relationship God had with his people until he tabernacled among us is the relationship that, that we might have with a king, with, with kind of like the president of the United States. In that as his subjects... We don't have direct access. We have to go through someone else to get to him. That's the way the relationship worked. But now that God has become human, they can have a relationship with God like they would any other human being. Because in Jesus, God, the creator of the universe, he became one of us. Or instead of going to the temple when they, they wanted or needed something from God, they just walked over to Jesus and asked. And the one who responded to them was God himself, the Almighty. 
or to get how strange and astonishing this may have been during Jesus' time. If someone would have come up and asked one of Jesus' disciples who got it, where God lived, they would have no longer pointed at the temple, where God had been living all those years, where the, the Jews believed that God lives. They would have pointed at Jesus and said, that's where God lives. That's where, you see that, that human walking around over there? That's where God lives. Now what that means is that the stories that, that we find playing out in the first part of the New Testament, especially the four Gospels, are the testimonies of who God was it, and what he came to accomplish when he walked among us. And what we find there are not only teachings and examples of the creator of the universe you know, living among us, but he also came to live in relationship with us. Or we see God living in relationship with his people face to face. Or can you imagine this? And so we don't ever think about this stuff. This is what we're raised on. This is what we believe, right? But when you take a moment to think about it, it's absolutely insane. Imagine walking up to another human being who is like you. And in that human being, or however it works in that mysterious way, the creator of the universe is standing right in front of you. That's how big this is. That's how amazing this is. That's what's going on in Jesus. Which, by the way, is a claim or a truth that makes Christianity different from all of the other world faiths. And that according to the New Testament, God didn't just send messengers or prophets or teachers to teach us his ways, which is what most other major religions complain. No, the bold claim that is made in the New Testament is that God himself shows up. Or that God himself, in an attempt to get what he wants most, showed up to chase after us. And what I love about talking to you guys is I just told you that the creator of the universe showed up in flesh and blood to chase after you, and you do this. I mean, it really doesn't really doesn't get any bigger. But, just thought it couldn't get any bigger. What we find this God doing next to show his love to the world in a way that just cannot be denied is that this God, while he lived among us, he ultimately gave his life, his everything to save us or to make a way for every single person who has ever lived to live in relationship with him. And the way he did this was he took on this instrument of, of torture and death and sin and corruption, this horrible cross. And what he did with that cross is he took all of that evil and suffering and death, and instead of using all of that against us, or instead of turning his back and walking away from us because we did that to him, he took all of that and used it to show us his love and forgive us. He's, all, he's like, I'll take the worst parts of what you have to offer, and I'm going to transform that into the very thing that I use to save you. And he does it by offering us the greatest gift that has ever been offered to the world. A chance to live into a deep and abiding relationship with God. A chance to know and be known by him in the deepest possible ways in this deep and abiding relationship. And the way we go about accepting this gift, which is even more remarkable, is not by being perfect. It's not by doing everything right. It's not by following all the rules so we have to earn our way into God's good graces. We're not jumping hoops here. 
No, all we have to do to live into relationship with this God because of what he has done for us on the cross is to accept this gift, this grace, by saying yes to his invitation. Or by crying out right where we are, wherever we are. Here I am, God. Forgive me and save me. Here I am, Christ. Forgive me and save me. I want to live in relationship with you. Which is an act of faith that not only connects you with God in the here and now where you can have this deep and abiding relationship your entire life, but this establishes a relationship that's going to go on and on and on forever. And you still sit there like this. So, what I hope has become clear is that what God wants most is to live in relationship with you. So much so that not only was this God willing to step down out of his existence to become one of us to chase after us, but that this God was willing to give everything on the cross to make a way for you to come home. Which means it's now ultimately on you to make that decision. Whether or not to choose to live in relationship with God. Because the Bible makes clear over and over and over again, God is ready, willing, and able to be your friend, to be your God, whenever you decide to make that choice. Or whenever you decide to proclaim with everything that was that is within you. Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I confess you as Lord and Savior of the world. Let us pray. Father, the last three weeks, as we have been wrestling with the Old Testament, we've been kind of blown away by the way we find you chasing after us. But then today, O oh Lord, we, we move into the New Testament. And what we find there is that no longer are you wanting to live among your people in the temple. You want to live among us as one of us. You want to know and be known by us face to face. And then what you do to show us your love to show us what you want most is you give your everything, your life, and you take all that evil and suffering and sin and death, instead of using that against us, Lord, you transform that into the very tool you use to save us. So today, O oh Lord, may every single one of us, even if we've done it a hundred times, may we all sincerely pray this prayer. Father, forgive me. Father, save me. I want to live in relationship with you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.